If you'll go with me in your Bibles to John 10 and 10. I, uh, one of the things I do and I enjoy the most when I kind of take a break, especially with my family and stuff, is I, I kind of detox from, I don't watch any news. Uh, I don't, I just totally make a decision. I'm not pulling up CNN, Fox. I'm not pulling up anything. I just, I just totally stay away from as much as I can. In fact, my family gets mad at me because the only thing I watched pretty much during our trip away was golf. And, uh, and, and so it just happened the TV had, I could get the, the, the ladies golf, the men's golf, any, and I didn't care who won. I didn't care what the score was. I could turn it on and fall asleep. That was the whole purpose of watching it. It was like, I didn't, I didn't know none of these people. I had no vested interest in none of these people. It, it was just, and so part of that was just recharging because we live in a world we're trying to find life or finding identity or constantly moving to find a better life or a, it has become an obsession of our world. And a lot of what we see when we see these school shootings or we see, it's because someone has just totally checked out and said, I can't find it. I can't find any purpose. I can't find any reason. I can't find anything good. And I'm just, for just a few minutes in my life, I'm going to have 15 minutes of fame. Or I'm going to have uh, 10 minutes of getting my anger out. Or I'm going to... And so what we see in a world is where a world has sold them on the fact of you need to find life. Hey, you need to go to school, get $160,000 in debt and find life. The world is constantly selling you life, life. And it it reminds me of the old song, uh, Staying Alive. In fact, that's what I've entitled this message today. Staying alive. Anybody remember the BG song? Saturday Night Fever, man. I'm telling you, it was it was it, it was him wearing them white suits, the red shirts, and you know you got to have that. And, and and how the song begins, the very beginning of the movie is he, all you see is his feet, and he's walking, man. He's got that. Well, he's got that walk, and it's like and in my day, man, we had to have that. While you had, he had to learn to strut. If you didn't have the ability to strut, you just, you just missed something in your life. So you had to be able, you had to be able to strut. And so some of them, I mean, some of them got way down with a strutting down. Some of us, somebody remember that from the 70s. They remember like they were really throwing down. They had swag. They were really throwing down. And so the song was staying alive. The Bee Gees wrote it, and it was during an era where they were looking for life trying to find the next thing that would create life. And so they came up with this new thing called disco. And disco was the thing that was going to change life. It was, it was, oh, finally we have found something. It's upbeat music. It's, it's excitement. You got light and disco balls. That's the first time we had disco balls and, 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 and man, all the different flashing lights and all the stuff that's going on. And you would dress to the nines. I mean, you would buy these big bell-bottom suits, and you would, boy, I'm talking about sometimes three-piece with a different color shirt. It was, it was some cool stuff. Don't laugh, because a lot of that has come back, ladies. I see you sometimes when you're dressing, and I'm thinking, that's 70s. That's, that, they just need to little, get a little more psychedelic on the colors, and you got a 70s outfit. That's what you're wearing. And so the Bee Gees was asked about this song. And 
how they wrote it. And it's amazing because the movie was, was staying alive, or the song was. And in fact, the movie was by a different name. The Bee Gees wrote the song. And because they wrote it the way they wrote it and said, here's the way it came out, here's the way it was, it was written for a certain purpose, the, the writers of the movie changed the name of the movie and just said, hey, we're going to go with that. They wouldn't change it. They said, change it to Saturday something. And, and, and they said, no, 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 it's, it, it needs to be staying alive. And when you hear the lyrics of the song, even though it's such an upbeat song and an exciting song, you're thinking to yourself, man, that is a cool song until you hear the lyrics. And when you hear the lyrics, you start to understand they put a great beat. And the whole purpose of disco was to add the drum. I mean, it was all, that was the first time the drum became the, the, the thrust, that pounding. But listen to the words. Well, you can tell by the way I walk, use my walk. I'm a woman's man, no time to talk. Music loud, women warm. I've been kicked around since I was born. Do you hear the sound? So you don't notice the words like, it's just a beat. But what he's saying is, I live a miserable life. I use whatever I got to use. People, women, whatever. I'm miserable and, and, and I've been kicked around since the moment I was born. When you're hearing that song, that's not what you're thinking, man. You're thinking... In fact, when you, when you go to the next part, whether you're a brother, whether you're a mother, you're staying alive. That's all you're doing. Staying alive. Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking. You're staying alive. Staying alive. And you just add the ah, 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 staying alive. It sounds good. It's got a great beat, but what am I saying? I'm just trying to stay alive. Alive. In fact, when it goes to the bridge, you know, the bridge is kind of always the thing that really gives you the purpose of a song. You know, it's kind of that, I know gospel songs, man, when, the, when our praise team hits that bridge, boy, it's like everybody cranks up on the bridge. That, that one little phrase that's going to be sung over and over. Well, you know what the phrase is for staying alive? Life's going nowhere. Somebody help me. Somebody help me, yeah. Life's going nowhere. Somebody help me. Somebody help me, yeah. That's the words of the song. A song that we dance to, a song that we get all excited, a song that, man, we still love, you know, that is the coolest, and we think of, of John Travolta dressed up like he's dressed up, and we'd see... But the very purpose of the song is written about a generation. In fact, they wrote it, the BG said, because of all the stress, all the problems, everything that was going in New York City. And they said, that's part of the song that keeps repeating. It says, everybody's trying to figure out the New York man. And it's amazing how the world keeps finding the next thing. The next thing for you to try, the next thing for you to experiment with, the next thing for you to do to see if you can find life. And every time, even though they 
package it in all the beautiful words or, or with a drum beat or whatever it might be. It's still the same. I'm still trying to find life. And when it's all said and done, I can't find life. No matter what the politician promises me, no matter what everybody else told me would happen, no matter if they said I'd live this way or I had these friends, I still can't find it. And then John 10 and 10 comes, and it's totally different for us as a church. For us as Christians, it comes out totally different. Listen to what it says. The thief's purpose is to kill, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. No matter what he puts around it, no matter what song it sounds like, no matter what it's packaged like, when, when the enemy comes along and says, hey, you need to cheat on your husband or cheat on your wife. Hey, you need to lie about this. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do something different to find better life, to find more. Hey, you need to, you need to uh, just spend more than you got and load up your credit cards because that's finding life. No matter what he's trying to sell you, listen to me, no matter how much he tries to make it sound good, it only has a purpose. It's to steal to kill, and to ultimately destroy what you already have. It's the only purpose for it. It has no other meaning. So if he says, hey, you need to sleep with somebody before you're married, and hey, what's the difference? And understand, when you go that route, it has a motive. What I'm doing, its purpose is to steal from me, to kill me, and to destroy me. And we only notice it when something hits the headlines or something dramatic happens or somebody does a mass shooting or something crazy takes, oh, the world's going crazy. No, the world's already crazy. It just depends how long you can stay in the crazy. Some people just check out from the crazy. No matter what we realize, we need to realize this one point. Life matters to God. He didn't say, listen, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Look at the person beside you and say, would you like to have a rich and satisfying life? I mean, a rich life, a satisfying. Would you like to have a great life? Well, God says, that's what I came. I've come that you might have life, have it in abundance. And it's amazing the battle that we're going through. Do you know there's less people than ever that go to church? Everybody's looking for life, but now in our generation, less people than ever before go to church. And since COVID, since COVID, an extra 25% nearly of those people that used to go don't go anymore. Most churches are on decline. Most churches are in total tailspins. We, we are an exception at all seasons. I know we just, we just look at like, oh, man, we're going to church. We're, we're, everything's going. We're fixing to have a bake sale, an auction. We're, man, we're, doing, we're fixing to do camp. We're fixing. But let me explain to you. Most churches are not living in this. Most churches are not getting up excited about, and their kids are saying, hey, we got to go to church today. Hey, we got. Most kids and most families are not sitting there in the morning thinking about, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to get ready. Hey, where are we going to eat this at? Hey, man, we're fixed to enjoy the day. We're fixed to go celebrate God. We're, most people are not doing that anymore. 
Even among the, the evangelicals, which is the only group or the highest group that's not losing, we're still in our group losing 25%. Some are losing 60% of their congregation. And then what we just saw in the Southern Baptist where they released 700 names of ministers who, who, who had accusations of all types of stuff against them. That's not helping the cause. We're living in a time where less people than ever go to church. Listen, less people than ever believe God is real. And it's not so much that people just don't believe God is real. It's the purpose of God in your life. If God says, I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance, and somebody says, I don't believe that then all that's left is the other alternative. No matter how much they hate it, no matter how much they know it doesn't work, think about it. We're going to vote for Congress. We're going to vote for presidents. We're going to vote for... And if you do a poll of whether you trust them, it's like 20%. We're we're going to vote. We're in a group that we already... 20%, only 80% already say, they're lying. (laughs) 80% already says, I don't believe any of them. But let's go vote, because it's the only hope we got. I come by to tell you guys, listen to me. There is a hope, but it's not Congress. It's not your president. It's not, it's not your next-door neighbor. It's not somebody giving you something or trying to help you out or, 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 or you having a good enough security system on your, on your home where nobody will ever touch you or hurt you. It's none of those things. I still believe with all my heart Jesus Christ is the answer and the greatest person for any person who's hurting or lost or missing or anyone who needs anything in this world. With all that's happening around us, with inflation, with everything that's coming out, more than ever before, there has to be a church. There has to be a people who rise up and say, He is the answer. Even if they laugh at you, I I don't even believe in that. I don't care. I'm telling you, He's the answer. I I, I don't even believe in God. I don't even go to church. All them church people, they're all messed up. It's all hypocrites. And And I'm thinking, well, one more won't hurt. Come on, join us. But it's not going to change the fact that Jesus is still the only answer for everything that's going on in your life. That next bottle of wine isn't going to fix it. The next thing you do on the side that nobody knows about isn't going to fix it. The next meal that you pay overpay for, when you get through eating it and you feel good for about 10 minutes and then you're like, I shouldn't have eat it. It's not going to fix it. The church, more than anything else, has to come to grips that, yes, this is going to be a tough moment. This is going to be a hard moment of standing and saying Jesus is the answer to a world that is looking for everything else. They're screaming, we're trying to stay alive. We're trying to stay alive. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. More than ever before, somebody has to rise up and say, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. Not a church, not a denomination, not, but a relationship with Him. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. 2 Chronicles 
And I may have given you more scriptures than that. You can pull all those up. I think it started at 2 Chronicles 12, didn't it? 7 and 12, there you go. Then one night the Lord appeared unto Solomon. It's important to put this in context because if I just pull out verse 14, you'll, you'll just miss it. But God shows up and he, he shows up to Solomon one night. And Solomon, is, I mean, he's got it good. This is the dedication of the tabernacle. I mean, God's glory is fine. Everything is good. And he, and he comes and he says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place to make, of making sacrifices. At times, I may shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Now, I love how God does this. He says, Solomon, I have chose to be right here with you. But now listen, there may be times I get upset with you. There may be times we don't see eye to eye. And I may shut up the heavens and it may not rain for a while. Or I may command the grasshoppers to come and devour all your crops. Now think about this. This is God telling us, now I just might do this, Solomon. Or send plagues among you. It's amazing in this world we live in. Why would God allow that? Why would God? Because God uses whatever he needs to use to accomplish his purpose. Look at the person beside you and say, God sometimes will hurt you to help you. God sometimes will hurt you to help you. He makes that promise over and over throughout the Bible. Then you can change it. If you don't like it and it's not working and, and you're saying, God, your hand is not blessing me. Your hand seems to be against He said, then let me tell you what you need to do, Solomon. At the time when it feels like me and you are not walking together and things aren't going good and, and you're in a place where you're saying, I'm just trying to find life. I'm just trying to live. I'm just, he said, let me tell you what needs to take place. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If you'll turn from the ways that are saying, I'm looking for life instead of having life. And we always put that down. God just calls everything wicked. But we wouldn't many times call it wicked. We would call it travel ball. I'm not, I'm not really trying to you know, miss church. I just got a lot of other things on Sundays that I got to do. I'm not trying to avoid God. We've just got a lot of family things that we do. We just happen to plan them all on Sunday. Because that's when it's most convenient for everybody. But God calls it wicked. He said, if you quit putting me second and third and fourth, and he said, if you would put me where I belong, and if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from the heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. This is God's promise. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple to set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever, and I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. Now, move to the New Testament. We don't have a temple anymore that's built like out of stone or brick, but we now are the temple of God. 
We now are where God is where God resides. We are the people of God and we are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back and read that and I want you to see it the way it should be in our time. Go back to that same thing. Verse 12, all the way back. Then one night, the Lord appeared unto me and said, I have heard your prayers and I have chosen your heart, Tim. I have chosen you, Tim, to be the vessel to make my sacrifices. Tim, I've chosen you to be the place where I will, I will do work business. I've chosen you to be the place where I will meet. In your heart is where we're going to meet, Tim. It's where sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise. At times, Tim, I might shut up things in your life so that, so that things fall apart. Or I may command things where it seems like things are going wrong. It seems like you're not getting ahead. Or it seems like, man, everybody's sick in the family. Everything seems to be, what in the world is going on? Then, Tim, if you who have been called by my name will humble yourself. And Tim, if you'll pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then you'll hear from heaven. You'll hear from me. And I will forgive you, Tim, of all the sins, and I will restore your heart and your life. For my eyes, Tim, will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer that you make in this place. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament, it says that even through the Spirit, through groanings that we can't even say what we want to say, and we just groan. Why? Because it's not so much coming from the outside, it's coming from the... Your temple is on the inside. And sometimes even when you don't know how to say it, and all you can do is cry and just sit there and throw up your hands, he says, if my, Tim, if you'll humble yourself and you'll call on me, let me tell you something, my ears are attentive to you. My, I'm not leaving you. I haven't forsaken you, Tim. I'll be there. I have decided that your heart and your life is where I'm going to set up my home. That's where I'm going to do business. For I have chosen you, Tim, And I've set you apart to be holy. I've made you a place where my name will be honored forever. And I will always watch over you. For you are dear to my heart. That's the answer for our world. It's for them to understand that scripture in the New Testament form. Where God's come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Where you can go and be prosperous. Where God can bless you. But the problem is what we have to fight against. Let me show it this way. We use a word a lot of times that gets misused a lot. It's it's called spiritual warfare. We use this phrase, spiritual warfare. And... A lot of times I think we kind of take it out of context, but let me just give it to you in basic terms what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare 
is where Satan has been defeated openly. Spiritual warfare is where Satan has already been defeated openly. He, when Christ died on the cross, he defeated him, made a shame of him, embarrassed him in front of every creation, out of every spirit, I mean every demonic spirit saw Satan and turned around and went like, oh man, he just messed him up. Every, everything in earth, below earth, above earth knew Satan had been defeated. There was no ever going to be a rematch. There was not going to be a, 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 a round two. There was not going to be a third. It was over. It was, it was finished. That's why Jesus from the cross cries out, it is finished. I've knocked him slap out. It's over. All power has been given to me. All authority belongs to me. I am reigning and ruling over everything that is. So what happens? He's angry. He's mad. So he can't attack us. He, I mean, God, he can't hurt God. He's done tried that. So now his whole intention is to hurt us, to kill, steal, and destroy us so that he might hurt God. We are not the object of his anger. We are just something that he knows that if he hurts us, it hurts God. And so therefore, he attacks us, tries to humiliate us, tries to get us to choose something over God, to allow our heart to be used for something more than God's temple. Each person in this room has to endure attacks. Each family in this room will have to endure attacks. Every church... Anything that lifts up the name of Jesus, anything that lifts up God, anything that says God resides here, he will attack it. That's his job. So if you didn't know that already, look at that person beside you and say, not everybody likes you. There is one for sure that doesn't like you. He will never like you. He's not going to start liking you. And even if you do what he wants, he still won't like you. Isn't it amazing how the devil works? The same devil that sits there and says, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. And when you do it, what's the devil say to you then? You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it. He doesn't like you. He's not going to be your friend. He has a purpose. And he works very hard to fulfill it. Let me show you a few scriptures real quick to to emphasize this. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Here's what it says. Stay alert. Watch out for your great what? Enemy. The devil who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to... That's what he does. Can we sit here and have a talk about your thoughts? Can we sit here and have a talk about your actions? Can we sit here and talk about... He's just looking, prodding to see someone he can devour. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us. He has schemes and plans and agendas and he puts traps out so that he won't outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. If you've lived very long, you know how it works. Something is brought in front of you. 
Satan wants to know, will you, will you like it? Will you keep looking at it? Will you keep thinking about it? Will you keep? He brings it in front of you and says, here's my strategy. It's always been the same. From the time it began, it has not changed. We see two different times when Satan uses these schemes on different people. We see Adam and Eve in the garden. What does he do? Put something in front of them. Fruit. Then he begins to enter. Hey, you like that? Looks good, don't it? Hey, you, know, you like that? Yeah, keep looking. Keep thinking of. Hey, let me tell you something. You probably don't know. If you eat it, you'll be better. It's the same strategy. When Jesus comes along, the forty days and of fasting, Satan comes to him. What does he say? Hey, look at that stone. You know, it wouldn't take you much of anything just to speak and turn it into bread. Imagine just a big old hot. Yeast roll. Oh, I bet you could turn that other rock into butter. You have a buttered yeast roll. What is he doing? He's saying, will you look? Let's have a conversation. That's why when, when we talk about Satan, Satan who is defeated cannot make you do anything. I, one, of the, one of the biggest lies anybody will ever say is the devil made me do it. The Bible makes it very clear. No man is drawn away by the Satan or drawn away by God. You're drawn away by what you won't take your eyes off of or what you won't quit thinking about or what you keep talking about and what you keep playing with and what you just keep flirting with. And eventually, the longer you keep your eyes and your heart pointed that direction, you will eventually conceive the thing you never even wanted. And we use all types of phrases. Well, I'm not doing anything wrong. But Jesus preached a sermon on that. He said, if you look, thinking, I ain't done anything. If you think it, if you thought it in your heart, it's as good as they've done it. What was he trying to teach them? Quit looking at it. He wasn't trying to be ugly like set this incredible stand. He's just saying, you can't keep looking at something and it not eventually get you. So Satan will not outsmart us. So we know his schemes. We know how he works. Go with me to Ephesians 4 and 27. Here's what it says. For anger gives a foothold to the who? So when Satan needs to get a foothold in your life, here's all he needs to do. He needs to find an area that makes you angry. Why does someone shoot up a business or shoot up? Are they happy people? No. No, anger has already taken over them. Anger is the foothold. Something I want that I cannot have. Something I think I deserve that nobody's giving me. Some, it makes me angry. So-and-so gets treated better than I do. So it makes me angry. I don't know why God's holding out on me. It makes me Angry. And anger becomes the foothold of Satan. Now go to Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. I want to show you how we deal with this. How in the world then, Brother Lot, do we deal with the enemy? How do we have life? How do we stay alive? Look at the person beside you and say, would you like to know how to stay alive? Pastor Lot, how do you stay alive? You've been... You've been 
serving the Lord for all these years. You, you, you've been pastoring all these years. You, you, how do you stay alive? It's got to be, I mean, there's got, I know all the Bible study you're doing, Brother Lot, and I know, boy, I, I, if I could pray like Pastor Lot, I, I could have, I'm going to show you real quick how to stay alive. Very simple. Put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of your enemy. That's how we stay alive. Either you're going to sit here this morning, you're going to walk back out of here, and you're going to think the same old things, you're going to keep watching the same old shows, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to keep your mind in that perpetual depression, missing out, life ain't fair, everybody's got it better than me. Or you're going to determine that I'm going to put on the whole armor of God so that none of those things can penetrate my life. And I can live a life in abundance. I can live a life happy. I can live a life full. So put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against it. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, this is a serious battle. The world can't figure out why it's happening. The world keeps thinking if we, if we take guns away from everybody, then they won't have nobody hating anybody anymore. I hate to break it to you. I don't care if somebody has to stab you with a pocket knife or beat you with a billy club or whatever. It's not going to change the fact that people just have hate in their heart. But if you don't understand the spiritual side, then the flesh side is all you got. We'll just keep taking everything away from y'all. And eventually you'll have nothing, so you can't do nothing. Oh, but the problem is you can't take my imagination. And then the more you take away and the more I feel like I need, then my imagination cranks up and then I'll create, the Bible says, new ways to sin and new ways to do bad things and new ways to... You're not going to solve the problem from a physical because our battle is not in a physical. Your battle this morning is not physical. It's not your height, your size, your color. It's, it's none of that. Oh, the world's going to perpetuate it and the world's going to say that's the problem. That's the reason it is what it is. No. It's a spiritual battle. And deciding to fight that and win that means I have to put on the whole armor of what God has given me. Go with me to verse 13. Therefore, now if you understand what I just said, therefore, if you grasp it, if I understand the battle, I understand I'm, I've got to win, I understand I can't play with it, I understand how he works. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be... See, okay, Brother Lot, what do you call victory? What do you call victory? Victory to me is very simple. I stood for something, and at the end of everything that took place, I'm still standing. My ministry is not judged by the fact of 
Boy, did Pastor Lot become a millionaire before he retired as a pastor? No. Did, did Brother Lot have seven houses or a vacation this or that? No. Was Brother Lot ever on TBN? No. None of that means anything. The only thing that matters is it where God put me and where God told me to stand and fight and where God told me to be a standard bearer and where God said, Tim, me and you, right here together, my power, you standing... Let's do it. Put on the armor. Let's do it. That at the end of the day, after nearly 30 years here in Forest, people, the only thing they remember about Pastor Lot is that Pastor Lot has stood. That's all. He just keeps standing. He keeps preaching it and standing in it, and he keeps preaching it, and stand. the world keeps changing, and clothes keep changing, and cars keep changing, and... and, and Hairstyles keep changing. But the only thing that really matters is can you stand? And he says, listen, let me give you this promise that if you do this, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. After every time I've dealt with death, every time I've dealt with a birth, every time I've dealt with a marriage or a divorce or a problem or a situation or a kid or an adult, every everything through the years, every skirmish, every fuss, every dis... Through all the years, the only thing that really mattered is at the end, can you still stand? So how do you do it, Brother Lot? Stand your ground, putting on first the belt of truth. Now, let me give you a verse this here. Either you put on the belt of truth that you determine in your life that you're going to just speak truth, that, that you're just going to tell the truth. Yesterday, the other day, I, I went to Walmart and... And I, I, we were fixing the uh, foosball, the human foosball that, that uh, Jim Dilly has built for us. Incredible, cool-looking deal, man. It's going to be so awesome. And, and, and so I, I needed the nets to go in the back. At first, we are going to build them out of PVC, and I figured out it's going to cost more money to build them out of PVC and just go buy a soccer net. And uh, so I went to Walmart and got back there and had them back there for $65.99, or at least that's what, and then there was another one that was reduced over here, and, and it had been cut in half. It was just a mess, a pile of boxes. And so I, I grabbed two of the soccer things, and I said, well, okay, it's got to be somewhere I'll figure around 60 bucks. And I get to the cash register, I'm ringing up, ring up the first one, $10. And I'm like, you know how you feel when you feel like, I've done something wrong. And I, and I got the other one, and I rung it up, and I even looked for a different scam bar, and it was the same, and I, I, I rung it up, $10. And I was like, yes. Man, I just saved a hundred and something dollars. God, that's you blessing your camp. And at the same time I'm saying that, the devil looked at me and said, you're going to steal them things, aren't you? Uh-huh, you're going you gonna to walk out of here knowing you cheated them and stole them. I know y'all never had to battle stuff like that, but I do. And in me, I'm like, I'm not stealing. That's what they wrong up. I, I didn't, it ain't my bad. They put it, they, they put the wrong code and wrong numbers and wrong. Okay. And I looked over and I called the lady. I said, Hey, come here quick before I change my mind. She came over. I said, I said, ma'am, I don't know. I said, there's a bunch of them back there. And I said, this is, it's had a tag, tag for 60 something, but, some of them were marked down. I said, I don't know. I said, I'm just telling you, we can go back there and look at it. 
And she, she looked at it and she rerung it and did everything. She said, that's what it rings up. I said, now, I don't want to cheat nobody. I'm here, I'm dealing with Walmart Corporation like I'm stealing from Walmart. I don't want to cheat nobody. She said, no, sir, you're not. She said, that's exactly what they rung up. She said, that's what they are. I said, so we're good. And that little voice died. And I was like, die, voice. I'm not stealing nothing. I'm just blessed. And I walked out of there grinning ear to ear, man. I done say. And, and the whole point was, it was not a test of whether I was going to get it or not. It was a test of whether I would be truthful or not. Your test is not whether, you know, I got a real good deal on that car. The question is, is how much lies you had to tell to get the good deal on the car. Can you be truthful and trust God to come through when God chooses to come through? It's the belt of truth. It girds up your loins. Uh, one, one in writer, I love the way he says, it keeps your britches up. It holds your pants up. It keeps you from being embarrassed. Telling the truth keeps you from being embarrassed. Or versus you can follow the father of lies. Because when you tell a lie, you're acting like your daddy. You need to think about that. Every time you tell a lie, you're acting like your dad. Because he's the father of all the lies. And so when you lie, that's, that's your dad. That's your dad. Jesus told the Pharisees the same way. You act like your father. Because they were lying about him. And he says, you know you're lying about me. And you're telling a lie. And you're acting like your dad. See, we don't think about that in our world. We just tell lies. Well, I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Look, you need to tell them that spandex does not look good on her. Quit lying. My family knows it. They're notorious, man. My, my, my daughter right now is 18 going on 35. And I'm the last person she wants to walk in the living room and show me her clothes. I'm like, well, uh, no. It, it, that's, that's too short. That's too this. That's too... Why? Because, because I'm going to tell her the truth. She may not like it, she... but I'm going, to, I'm going to be very brutally honest. And, that's, and that's, that's what I'm called to be. It's either that or I'm going to be lying to you. The second thing he says, putting on the armor, the body armor of righteousness. So, so the second thing is, you either put on the body armor, the chest plate, it's the breastplate is this in the King James, put on the breastplate of righteousness, or the body armor of righteousness, or you allow your heart, which is what it does, it, it protects the heart, it protects the vital organs. Or you decide to go Satan's direction, either you're going to do that, or it's versus going the love of the world. If you're going to allow your heart to love a lot of things, and I have to battle that all the time. There's a lot of things I want to love. Boats are at the top of it. I love water. I love, I love, it, it, is, my, it is my happy place. I can be on the water, and, and it's just like, man, you, it's just, you can't wipe the smile off my face. And to do that, the bigger, the better the boat, the happier my smile is. And so I have to sometimes be flipping through boattrader.com and, oh, man, look at that. And, and God's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm dreaming. 
About what? Stuff. And God's like, Tim, you get your heart full of that stuff, you'll be thinking you need to retire and you need to quit. And you need to trade your wife in for a boat. and you need to, You're going to be thinking all kind of crazy things. Don't, get, don't, don't, don't act like that. The more you think about it, the more you look at it, boy, you're just like, my life stinks. I need to boat. God says, don't go there. Protect your heart. Live right. Live righteously. Live in the right way. Now, we're not talking about the righteousness that God gives us when Jesus died on the cross and made we swapped our unrighteousness for His right. We're talking about living right. Paul said, put on a breastplate that protects your heart. What does your heart long for? Can, can you look at your kids and, and love them, or do you resent them for stuff that you can't get a Harley motorcycle right now because of them, or, or you can't do what you'd like to do? do? Do you look at your life and, and, and resent, you know what, I, I could be so much more, but my husband will do this and my kids. Do you resent, or, or do you protect your heart? He said, protect your heart. What you think about, what you meditate on. You have to guard your heart. Secondly, your feet. Set your feet on peace instead of the world saying, what's in it for me? In other words, hey, you want to go with me? Why? I hear that more from kids now than I ever have. You can tell a kid, hey, come out here and help me in the yard. Why? You know what I'm saying? Because you know what their mindset they're fighting? Whether they are living a life of peace, which means everything I'm doing is to help someone. Everything I'm doing is to be a blessing. Everything, or I'm not going to move my feet unless I know what's in it for me. He said, you guard your heart, you guard your mind, you guard your life, and you put your feet in a place of peace. What can I do to create peace? What can I do to make life better? What can I do... And I don't have time to deal with all these in length. So thirdly, or next, you got the belt of truth. You're armed with righteousness and breastplate. Your feet are set on peace. You grab the shield of faith because Satan's darts. If you don't grab the shield of faith, then you're always going to be hurt. You're always going to be wounded. Somebody's always going to say things that's going to bother you. Things are always going to happen. The next flat tire is going to make you think God doesn't love you. The next bad day at work, you're going to think nobody cares. Everything's going to go wrong. You're going to feel like, boy, that devil's always after me. That's how I know when people do not have a shield of faith is when I hear in their conversation all the time, boy, the devil just wearing me out this week. I'm like, pick your shield up. He's not shooting any more at you than he is at anybody else. The difference is you're like, go ahead. Versus, mm-mm. When you say something, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. You know, those people over there talking about you, I don't believe it. They may be, but I ain't buying it. My shield of faith is always what is protecting me from the fiery darts that Satan hurls at me. Next, the helmet of salvation. And I know I'm blowing through all of these. The helmet of salvation, which guards our minds and our thoughts, to be able to, as I said, hold up the shield of faith when something's being fired at you and the enemy says, they're talking about you. Well, not only do I block it, 
but I also in my mind capture every thought. I'm not going to sit here and dwell on this. I'm not going to think about this all day. I'm not going to stay up to 2 o'clock in the morning worried about this. I take every thought captive. Either that or you do Satan's version. You have an uncontrollable mind. If you're in this room today and you don't, if you don't put on the helmet of salvation, then you can't control your thoughts, just crazy thoughts, always coming through your mind, always battling you. You, you, you feel like, my goodness, man, I'm... Finally, the sword of the Spirit. It is your only weapon. It's your tongue. If I've guarded my heart, I am the temple, the Spirit of God lives there, I've kept all the garbage out, then when I open my mouth, my weapon becomes truth. I'm not speaking negativity, I'm not speaking against somebody, I'm not speaking how bad the world is, I'm not speaking nobody loves me, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking truth. Adam and Eve didn't do it. Adam and Eve, when Satan says, God's holding out on you, you eat that fruit, it's going to be better. Adam should have immediately stood up and and, and looked at that serpent and said, let me tell you something. God has told me not one good thing will he withhold from me, and I believe my Father God. But he didn't do it. He sat there and thought about it. And Eve ate it. And nothing happened to her. So she gave it to Adam. Jesus, thousands of years later, is standing on top of a mountain. Satan is doing the same thing. Why don't you turn these stones into bread and eat? I mean, duh. You're the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, I mean, if you really are the Son of God, then do it. What does he do? He opens his mouth. And guess what comes out? Deuteronomy. Man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If I was to tell you, tell me something. If I was just to tell you to stand up right now and tell me something. Would it be something of God or would it be something that happened to you last week? Oh, I can tell you something, brother Lot. I got a story to tell you. Would it be something that God has put there or is it something that has crept in there during the week? It's the only weapon you got. It's the only one you got, and that's why you have to work so hard to protect it. Because when the enemy comes, you've got to be able to say, oh, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. When I'm praying for people, if I haven't guarded my heart, what's going to happen is they're going to say, brother Lot, so-and-so needs prayer and, and this, and, and, and I'm going to say, well, you know, we're just, we're just going to pray. You never know what God will do. We're just going to... Well, that's not, none of that's scriptural. Instead, I got you covered. Many of you that have asked me for prayer many times, I'll send it back to you. Got you covered. Got it. Don't you worry about it. God's working in it. He's right up in the middle. Why, Brother Lot, you don't... Oh, yeah, I know. To me, it's so simple. Because I've guarded my heart, it's when the Spirit says, I got this to you, speak it. But if you've got to get it past all the other doubt and all the other garbage and all the other stuff that you kept putting in there, it's hard sometimes to pray or to speak or to believe. 
to be able to speak to the problem. That's why the last thing that he gives them is prayer. He says, pray in the Spirit and pray for others. You can either do that or you can do what Satan would tell you to do. Just wish for change. It's amazing how even presidencies and everything, campaigns are run on that now. President Obama years ago ran on the change. Hey, I'm bringing change. When Donald Trump come in, make America great again. What's he doing? All that is is a worldly mindset that I wish things were better. Instead of praying in the Spirit and praying for others, knowing that things will be better. Prayer is not something I do weekly or timidly. Prayer is the most powerful thing I ever do in my life. If I pray for something, heaven moves. If I pray for something, things in the atmosphere change. If I begin out of my mouth to speak things that are not as though they are, faith is invoked. And God loves faith. Will you stand? You may have to go back and re-listen to this, or you may have to go back and re-list those. But I want you to, this week, to really focus on learning to live. I really want you to come to the conclusion that I want to stay alive. And I can't promise you guys over these next years that the world's going to get better. In fact, I would probably say it's not. Because the world becomes more desperate, it's going to keep reaching for more things, blaming more things. I know it sounds crazy, but even us sitting in this building today, worshiping, before long, the world will look at us and say, you're the problem. The reason we're not happy and the reason we're not where we want to be and the reason the world ain't good is because of y'all folks. And we're like, we never did anything to you. But when you're trying to stay alive and you use the world's mindset, you'll grasp at anything. Shoot, you'll wear flowery shirts that button down all the way to your belly button, wear bell-bottom breeches and high heel shoes as a man and call it cool. You'll do whatever you got to do. And while at the same time crying out, somebody help me. Somebody help me, please. Somebody help me. Somebody help me, please. Dancing to the words of a song that's crying out for help. That's our world. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But it doesn't happen just because we say, oh, I believe in Jesus. 
It happens because this morning we decide to put on the whole armor of God. That we dust off that old Bible and we start reading it again. And we, we spend time in prayer, even if we have to pull a car off or we get out for work and we just say, I'm just going to spend five minutes here just talking to the Lord. We make sure we put on the whole armor. Because the enemy for sure is going to fight you. That is a fact. But whether you stand or not, that's totally up to you. No matter whatever happens in my life, the rest of my life, Satan will not be the reason or the cause for it. He's defeated. If I win or I lose, it'll be because of my own effort. Because of my own decision of whether I would draw close to God or whether I decided to pull away. I'm not mad at Satan. I'm not blaming him for anything. He's my enemy because he's God's enemy. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Victory has already been given to me. I just got to live it out. If you're in this place today, if any of this hits you like, man, that's me. My mind, I'm living that staying alive, trying to find life, trying to find something exciting, a reason to get up, a reason. Let me tell you this morning, you'll find it in Jesus. It's the only place you'll ever find it. You'll find Him in Jesus. It's the only place you'll ever find Him. Will you bow your heads, Father? I don't need some monumental moment right now. I don't need... But for that person that's in this room, that they cry from the inside, somebody help me, please. Somebody help me. I keep doing the things that the world says will bring joy. I keep using my body or watching things or seeing things or talking in a certain way. I keep doing what they say to find life and I can't find it. But this morning, Lord, I see it. I, I, I understand the Spirit this morning is opening my eyes and I see that it's not in this world. It's nothing that I'll ever find in this world that it's only in Jesus Christ. It's only allowing Him to be Lord. It's only surrendering, humbling myself. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and cry out to me and turn from their wicked ways, make me Lord and I'll heal their lands. Father, this morning I pray for healing, for life that comes through somebody right now saying, Lord, forgive me. I want to put on the whole armor and I want to follow you. Father, let them do it right now. Let them make the decision. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. Hey, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. God bless you. Go give that devil fits. <laughs>